Welcome to Burned by the Firewall, an Occamsec podcast. Hello and welcome to this episode. Today we have a special guest, Case Mahan, who's a senior penetration tester and team leader at Occamsec. Hello, Case, and welcome. So um, please tell us a bit about yourself and how you got into the industry. Sure. So, I mean, I took a really kind of roundabout way of getting into this industry. Uh, fun fact is that uh, before I was doing any type of security work or anything like that, I was actually a tattoo artist for uh, 10 years in New York and New Jersey. So, and I kind of bounced around and did that. And then after that, I worked for a guy that used to build uh, luxury tree houses. So I've kind of had a... Uh, very, very odd past work experiences. But for the most part, I've always kind of dabbled in in with uh, my computers and just, you know, like during the um, uh, America Online days, I used to I used to hack websites, I used to like troll and chat rooms and stuff like that, which I'm sure like a lot of kids and a lot of teenagers did at that time, you know, too, right? And then like, you know, I learned how to use D- DOS and all that good stuff, you know, on my dad's old uh, 486 PC. And you know, through all that. And then I, and then I also dabbled in um, uh, video game modding for a little while in my youth as well. But for the most part, you know, after I was a tattoo artist and after working for the company that built uh, tree houses, I ended up uh, self-funding the um, uh, OSCP for myself, um, as well as like doing my own round of self-study. I bought books, you know, and yeah, it was just basically a lot of um, uh, kind of self-teaching, you know, and a lot of just keeping myself motivated to actually like um, really stay focused on this. And then I was hired by Akamsek and, you know, that's the end of my story. <laughs> it's a very interesting path into cybersecurity. I mean, I guess, you know, a lot a lot of people actually find their way into it through alternative means. It, I mean, there wasn't a path back or an obvious path that long ago into cybersecurity. Yeah, and and it's funny because like, you know, after like tattooing for 10 years, like people that are not in like tattooing world, it kind of works much in the same way, right? Because like there's like a mentorship before you're able to like work on clients and stuff like that. And also a lot of people, especially in the early days, took very kind of non-standard approaches to kind of getting into that field, right? Because like typically it'd be like nowadays, it's like you work under a mentor for a year or two years or however long, right? And then finally, you know, you build your own clientele and then you just go to work, right? Whereas like back back in the, you know, in the 80s and 90s, you know, and even further back than that, a lot of people were all self-taught because there was just really no resource for, you know, anyone to really learn. Like, I mean, like a lot of Navy sailors, you know, all, 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 all kind of self-taught themselves in like the 60s and 70s, you know, and even earlier back than that, because there was no one teaching them. And plus, you were probably bored on the ship all the time. So, so it was like, hey, let's just, you know, build a tattoo machine out of some old salvage parts and let's just, you know, go do this. And kind of cybersecurity in a way, you know, back before cybersecurity was like, you know, as popular, of a field as it is now, right? I mean, like it kind of works much in the same way, right? Where, where, where there's not an obvious resource, you know, as opposed to now where, where it's like, you know, there's like a ton of courses and boot camps and like, you know, learn Cali in 20 days kind, kind of courses that are just kind of prevalent over the last like five years, as opposed to say like a 10 or even like, you know, 20 years ago. Yes, yeah, a very interesting point. And I, I guess that, that could bring to another question in terms of given that your path was so i guess different to probably many others is there any specific training or learning path 
advice you'd have for people looking to get into it now? I mean, the best piece of advice for people that that like really want to just, you know, get into this. Well, actually, it's twofold, right? So it's like, you know, having the motivation and the passion to actually like really want to learn this stuff. Because at the end of the day, if you don't like doing this stuff and you're kind of forcing yourself to do it, then you're not going to last long, right? So at least on some level, you have to like this stuff and you really have to have like at least like, like a little bit of passion for it. And the other thing, you know, in terms of like gaining that kind of technical prowess and like, you know, really getting used to like kind of just like, you know, how the various methodologies kind of fit together to, you know, break various software and devices, right? The biggest piece of advice, learn how stuff works, right? Because that's going to be the fastest way for you to kind of, you know, really build that kind of build that skill set and plus it'll be easy to break something when you know how all the pieces fit together right you know you you can kind of you know point out where the fault lines are and that's that's really the biggest piece of advice and just like yeah and just exposing yourself to a to, to as many technologies as humanly possible you know and you should always be open to just you know learn learning new things yeah because i guess i guess as you say the fact that now there are so many structured courses around learning it kind of means in some ways, everyone's learning the same thing, which is not necessarily a good thing. I mean, obviously it can teach you a process for doing penetration testing and fault finding, but the creative side of, you know, building something from scratch or understanding how things work, like the, the analogy with the sailors and tattoo machines, it's like to get fundamental, it might be easier for people to not go down such a structured route. Yeah, I mean, like for some people, you know, if they've already have like some kind of like foundational knowledge in like, you know, doing something computer related, if they were like a systems administrator for like however, however long, or if they were working in the sock for however long, right? But sometimes courses like that can kind of augment it. But unfortunately, time and time again, I keep seeing, you know, people as well as potential candidates that kind of go through this like specific like boot camp meat grinder of sorts. And they come out with kind of just like the minimum set of skills that doesn't really translate very well, you know, to actual real world application. Yep. I think uh, I can personally attest to that, um, given, I think, from my own experience of, of learning methodologies and processes, there's no, there's no substitute for real world experience. And I think I learned more working on pen tests, live tests with you in a couple of weeks than I did in three months of of trying self-taught learnings or or structured learning from a, a boot camp. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, 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 I mean, like the biggest takeaway is is just that that uh, like as structured as all these courses are, doing it in the real world is vastly different and can be daunting to anyone that's like really new to this. You know, and that's where the mindset comes in. I guess it's the curiosity. It's it's looking at things in a different way. Of you know, this thing's here but how can I make it do something it's not supposed to do? How could it be broken? You know, you can't just run a tool and say, find a hole for me. Right, exactly. You know, you just kind of have to just, you know, keep plugging away, just keep learning new stuff, right? And just, you know, really just just have a kind of self-starter, self-motivator kind of attitude to it. Absolutely. So um, obviously interesting talking about AOL, DOS, et cetera. So um, going back in time, what was your favorite piece of childhood tech? So, I mean, like most kids, like, I mean, like, 
you know, I'm obviously not going to be, be like, oh yeah, I used to play with Cisco VPNs when I was five, you know, it's like, <laughs> I don't think anyone that's like, you know, a kid that's going to be really interested in any kind of like enterprise tech that like a lot of people have like a real passion for today. Right. You know, when, when they're like actually doing the job, but insofar as like childhood tech, probably like mo- most, most kids, you know, growing up, I really liked video games. Right. I really like computer games. And that love is kind of represented, like, as I said before, you, you know, I used to play around a bit with the um, mining community around a couple of games and like, you know, and then like, you know, we, we used to make custom maps, we used to edit the game code for ones that we were able to get like the source for. So, I mean, like a lot of that was just kind of trial and error, just a lot of dabbling back and forth and then actually playing, you know, the results of your work. Yes, I think it's, it's interesting. A lot of people actually do slide in from, from the love of video games and the underlying technology and realizing, oh, I can cheat here or I can manipulate this thing because I right, know exactly. how it you know, So that, that is, uh, it is pretty cool. I mean, I, a prime example, I guess, is when you look at some of the speedrunners. Oh, yeah, definitely. Where they're using just, just just like all these kind of like inbred glitches to like, you know, get faster times, like glitching through walls and stuff like yeah. that, you know. Some of it is, is, is I've seen some and they are absolutely insane. <laughs> I know they're, I know they're great. There was a, there was an article I read actually not that long ago, you know, where, where, where I think it was a speed run of like, I think it was Super Mario. It was one of the Mario games, but basically through a series of jumps and slides, I managed to execute a buffer overflow and then go directly to Princess Peach, wow. which I thought was really cool. <laughs> yeah. And, and looked really hard. It was just so insane. I did, I did see a walkthrough. I think it was uh, Zelda Ocarina of Time on the N64. And it was like done in like a minute and a half or something. And it was very, I don't know how they found the things they found, but... They must have spent many, many hours doing it. That's all. Yeah, I, I know, say. right? They're probably like, you know, hugging and like, you know, pressing buttons on every single wall. <laughs> <laughs> I'm lifting this rock and I'm turning five degrees left. <laughs> I know. That kind of thing. Uh, I know. Yet you have to wonder if they sleep or not. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so either. Well, I remember when I was younger and I was playing my first computer's experience and it was they had to pull me off them. <laughs> so you know you're playing I, I too much it. video games it's rotting your brain yeah absolutely well i mean you know it was like a, a 16k machine <laughs> 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 it wasn't that great i thought it was great at the time but yeah um so obviously in terms of the career aspirations growing up i mean you went first into tattooing so tech was obviously a second thought but what were your actual aspirations or didn't or did you not have any just kind of like you know just seeing what happened so i mean i like variety i'm a person that like doesn't like having like the same day over and over again right so i mean like a lot of that kind of like you know comes from that need to like do different things all the time and i guess like i didn't like wake up one day and and was like, I'm going to go into cybersecurity, right? Or just go into tech in general. Like, um, at, in in actuality, my first love was and still is, o- always will be art. Like, I mean, I love drawing and painting. I love um, making comics. I like writing stories. So, so, I mean, in a way, tech was always second. And it was more kind of just like, you know, and to be perfectly honest, actually, like, I mean, like, I kind of quit 
the uh, tattooing career mostly because I was just tired of being poor, <laughs> you know, which is usually a good motivator for a lot of things, right? And it was just very unstable way of living. Yeah, and I guess I guess it's you know, you don't they say don't make your hobby your your career, right? Because then was my hobby. So yeah, you, exactly. So and, got... and, 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 and that's also like, in fact, that that's probably the biggest reason why I left like any sort of like art related career behind me is just because, you know, it made me start to hate art and I didn't, and, and, and I just didn't want to feel like that. So I ended up changing, you know, some things around and I went to tech instead. And now I am, I am frankly much happier. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had a similar similar thing as a sound engineer and I started to hate music when I was, music was my passion so I think there's again don't do what you love as a job <laughs> exactly everyone should do their number two passion yes because that way at least you know you're still going to be happy and you're still going to like what like what you do yeah or do your number one passion but then make sure you've got a really good hobby as number two <laughs> right <laughs> I mean so have you got any uh did you have any role models growing up or have any role models now that you aspire to i mean not really like i mean fun fact about me too when i was in my 20s i used to <laughs> i used to hang around with like a bunch of like would-be punk rockers and rock stars and I actually know a couple of uh you know famous people in that scene i'm not going to name names cool. <laughs> um so 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 i mean i mean you know things like role models or 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 like you know anyone that i would like kind of put on a high pedestal i don't really do that you know, I think everyone is their own person and that like, it's great if you have a role model here and there, right. If that works for you. Um, and if you want to aspire to be as good as someone, you know, because, because they do good work, you know, I'm not going to fault anyone for that. That's, that's all good things. Right. But, but for me personally, I never really had a role model of this type of stuff. It was just kind of just like, you know, I like doing this stuff. I'm going to do what I can to kind of learn as, mu as much as I can about it, you know. And I'm very much a self-starter in that way. And kind of like, you know, everything I've done, I've done kind of like by myself in a way. So, 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 I mean, like, so, yeah, so I don't really have any specific role models or anything like that. Like, I mean, like, I think people that find, find like really good that like do do really good research in this field, I think are awesome. But like there 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 is not like one person where it's just like you know I aspire to be like them, right? You know I'm not like that. Yeah, I mean obviously given that social media is everywhere and people have been on more social media now than ever. I mean, do you think there's a downside to this? It's like people are aspiring role models in the wrong way, and there's a negative side to it. Yeah, I mean like I think. I think if you try too much and and like it's the same thing with with them art too because like it, in my free time you know i tend to write and draw comics and um and the problem with that is is that like i also read comics and like in a way my style is always trying to like replicate the artists that i really really like right and i guess like that can lead you down a down a slippery slope because then you know, you're, you're, you're more or less putting yourself in a box, right? Where, where it's like, you have to be this way and no, and no other way. And that's not really a healthy way to go about, you know, like, 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 like when you're trying to develop your own kind of style and creativity with how you approach things, 
you know, and, and I know I'm talking about more like art, but InfoSec is very much the same way. You have to be creative. You have to think kind of like, you know, okay, how is this going to work? And you also can't really just kind of be like, you know, go into a field because someone else is doing it and you, and, and you respect them. Like, it's great if you can do that, but for the most part, it's like, I think people need to kind of be, be their own role model in a way and try and like find their own style, you know, which is an, another term you hear a lot in like the um, artist world, you know? Right. So, so, so I think InfoSec is very much the same way. You need to kind of just find, you know, the path that kind of works for you. It reminds me of a quote, which I'm going to, I'm going to probably misquote, <laughs> which was, which is the one I think it's, um, uh, good composers borrow, great composers steal. <laughs> yeah, pretty I'm much. Not sure, I'm not sure <laughs> if, that, if that's, if that's prudent for, for the art or the conversation, but, um, it just reminded me of that kind of, because I get originality is one thing, but if you're trying to imitate someone, then you're just going to be a pastiche. Whereas if you take it, you make it your own, you own it, then you've actually taken it from them, it's yours. Right, exactly. So as, as, a, as a lady in cybersecurity. <laughs> <laughs> I knew this was coming. <laughs> as a lady in cybersecurity, do you have an opinion on lack of diversity or challenges specific to that? Because I mean, I've seen a lot of changes in the five years that I've been in the industry, but you've been in it a lot longer than me. So what are your opinions and what have you seen? So, this is going to be a hard question to answer because there is really like no one right answer or no, there is like nothing that indicates one way or the other, which way it's going to go. Right. So, but in terms of like gender diversity, so, I mean, like much like any other industry that's for the most part male dominated, you know, like mm -hmm. InfoSec is still very much male dominated, you know, and I think it still has a long way to go. And I think the problem with it is that like, you know, I think, I think some women, you know, maybe to some certain degree, because it's been a boys club for the most part for so long that there might be a kind of intimidation factor to it. I don't think there is enough women, you know, that are really like trying to like really, you know, learn this stuff. Right. And, and, and like, I think we need more, I think more women should like, you know, be like, you know, more open to learning this stuff. Right. And like, yes, it is getting better. And there are like huge groups of women that are coming into a tech tech related field in general. Right now it's kind of like the like hot industry to be in. Right. Especially. Right. So, so you're going to find more and more women that are going to, you know, start, start, start coming into tech, but InfoSec, I think still has some ways to go. It's getting better. I think it really is getting better. But like, I think there needs to be more women in like leadership roles. There needs to be more, more, more women that are mentors, you know, that are really just going to kind of like push the envelope and really move, move the industry like kind of out of the boys club domain, you know, and more into something that's like a little more diverse and varied, right? Because I mean, like, again, like this industry is still dominated for the, for, for the most part, just, you know, by men, right? Like, like I came into this company, you know, during, you know, the early days, I was the first woman in this company, you know, that, that Occamsec hired. And, you know, given we were really small, you know, at that point, but like, since then, we, we have actually, you know, we've hired others since then, right? But I'm really the only one that like was like really in, in like a very technical role, 
right? And I think there there's a lot of women in this industry that tend to veer more towards like the management end or doing, you know, a lot of the admin stuff. And I think that needs to change. I think there just needs to be more women that are that like really get into like the hands-on technical stuff. And I think the onus is also on hiring managers to really, you know, take them seriously because that's also the other problem is that like since since this has been a boys club for so long, you know, I think a lot of a lot of like hiring managers and HR managers, you know, tend to have a little bit of a bias. You know, now I'm not saying that 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 this is, you know, how it is across the board. But I think like there is some bias just for the sake that like, you know, that like there still is just we just need more women in this industry. And, you know, we still have a lot of problems in this industry in terms of diversity, you know, and this is not just InfoSec, this is just tech in general. We still have like, like, like the same problems that like even a lot of other industries have, you know, there is like pay gap um, uh, disparities. There is like, you know, issues of like harassment, you know, and, and I think all this stuff really just needs to change. And I think we change it by just having more, more women in more technical roles, in more leadership roles. And I think that is the way forward. And I think, you know, hiring managers need to, you know, kind of look past the gender of the, of the candidate, right? Like that shouldn't matter. Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I think, I think obviously from my own experience having you actually as my mentor, I learned from you and you were so much more technical than I was. So, you know, I can see that, but I think from what you've just described, there's still a, an inherent underlying um, lack of belief perhaps in women being as good as men at the roles, even though it's completely unfounded. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, we just need to do better, you know, not just us, but just like, yeah, but just like, you know, any industry in this country, we just need to do better because it's just not good enough. Absolutely. I think there's a, there's a lot of work to do and I can see it, as I said, in the community, InfoSec community, especially here in London, the, the, the rise of, of, of female groups, uh, women speakers and everything is, is good. It's encouraging. And what, and what advice would you give to young women who are on the fence or thinking about getting into cybersecurity? So whereas my advice would be like anyone else's, like really, you know, be passionate about this stuff, um, learn a lot of things on your own, learn as much as you can to figure out how things work. Um, but, but as an additional thing, especially for women, don't be intimidated. Don't be intimidated that like that, that this, that this industry is still kind of like a boys club. Like, like you should just not even worry about that at, at, at all. And I know that's kind of like easy to get in a mindset that like, you know, you're not good enough because you're not like these other guys, but don't be intimidated. You need to kind of have a I want to say a no BS attitude, right? And just like really, really have that confidence to really stand on your own. Don't let, you know, anyone intimidate you into doing something and just be yourself, right? You know, be confident. Any place you go into, you know, just walk in like you own the place. That's good advice. I mean, I'd also weigh in on that and say that that given the, 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 the growth in, in female groups or just general groups that are, far less uh, male bias now that that it's worth getting into the community and joining those and realizing there's a lot of support out there 
Yeah, and 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 also I would say like, you know, start groups to the point you just made, you know, start groups, you know, of like women that like, you know, maybe do some kind of hacking or pen testing, you know, just as a hobby too. You know, having groups like that help and having that kind of that just support community would would be nice to have. So so I so I mean like any any group that supports women, you know, just like in tech is going to be a great thing. Yeah. I, I, I fully agree. And actually circling back to that in terms of technical and and pen testing and so on, um, you know, I've seen you, I've worked with you and seen you exploit many environments. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> obviously, we can't name any names here, but there are many, many uh, an organization has fallen to your prowess. Um, do you have a favorite, a favorite uh, uh, ponage moment that you can Ooh. share without without actually doxing the company? <laughs> Yeah, so I actually have a couple, or rather, there's like two or three in mind, and I'll try and be not not too rambly about it. Um, <laughs> so I mean, like a, a lot of the physical red team stuff that we've done, I really think we're cool. So uh, there was one, you know, we're we're doing this big major one that was like across like Georgia and Kansas City, and it was a red team on two facilities, and we basically took the approach of just like, you know, okay, we're just going to social engineer our way into the building. We'll come up with a cover story and then, you know, we'll have a fake lanyard. Right. Because with like a lot of the physical stuff and like trying to like infiltrate offices during the day and stuff, there's two things to kind of always remember, like, especially for, for, for anyone that's trying to get into like, you know, the physical testing side of things is that people hate confrontation one and two people want to help. And these two important factors, you know, are very easily and readily exploitable. A perfect example of this was we were actually doing an, doing a red team assessment in Ohio. This was a place that like uh, they had like a little like hiring computer kiosk kind of like set up in the lobby. And then they had like open calls for like, you know, employees to go work in, in a kind of call center environment, right? And what ended up happening was, so I go in there and I went up to the front desk and I was basically just like, hi, I'm here for a job and just, you know, fluttered my eyes a little bit, um, <laughs> which it could not have worked better. But uh, I also placed um, some, some, some malicious files using a rubber ducky. Um, and if you don't know what that is, folks, uh, a rubber ducky is what's called an HID. And it basically acts as a kind of connected keyboard. And you have a payload set on it. And it basically types in stuff for you, especially on, on like a Windows machine. So we use that we dropped a uh, malicious document. And then once someone opens that, you know, when they inevitably, you know, some someone would would read it, you know, some like HR manager is going to read it, they're going to open it, and then it's going to exploit their host, which we did actually end up getting a connection back from that, which was great, because that that, that was actually the one part I had kind of low hopes on. Um, <laughs> it's always such a good feeling though, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's great. But, but the front desk guy, like, you know, the biggest thing was that, like, you know, I flared my eyes a little bit and, you know, and then I asked, like, hey, can I, can I use the bathroom, you know, which is a common 
route I usually go because it's like, you know, what are you going to do? You know, say no if someone like really has to go. It's like everyone has to go, right? You know, and it's a pretty easy one to use. It's a pretty easy trick. But anyway, this guy, you know, really liked me. So, so, so with no escort, he's like, oh yeah, it's around the back, right? And from there, I managed to just walk into the call center area. I managed to access a couple of workstations. Um, The door to the second floor was unlocked. I went up there. It's like the HR floor. I ducked into some office and I was pretty easily able to connect into someone's office and, and onto their network. And then I came back down and then I really did use the bathroom because why not, <laughs> you know? And then like, I, I grabbed some other employee because I was like, I'm lost, you know, to like really just kind of like, you know, get my story straight. And then I come back to the front desk and like, you know, this guy, he's like writing me down a number. It's like, here, here, we really like you, you know, call this number, you know, we just really want to help you out. And I'm like, thanks. <laughs> and all this transpired within like, maybe like 10 minutes, you know, and then wow. I just walked out and that was that. And then the other one, this was the Georgia and the Kansas City one. This one, I just managed to just talk my way to the various secretaries. I was like, hi, I'm here working under so-and-so. I'm here from IT. I'm here to check, you know, some of your workstations. I need and I need like access to a workstation. I need this, that, and the other thing. And this person was falling all over themselves to help me. And I managed to talk well enough through all this that I managed to get get an employee to give me their desk and their workstation, <laughs> give me their lanyard and their badge because mine was obviously fake. And then and and then I spent like a good majority of their workday just going from workstation to workstation and just pilfering since it was a Windows environment, pilfering a lot of the like SAM database and a lot of the username and passwords and domain credentials as well as files and folders. I took pictures of physical documents and this was basically the entire day. They had like a physical document store, you know, that like you would normally have to like badge in and that was completely open. So I managed to take pictures there. So I basically had free reign just by talking myself into a desk and just, you know, name dropping like some, some random executive. So, so yeah. just, just to give you an indication how easy this can sometimes be. Um, and then I guess, you know, for the people that are like solely, you know, on the cyber end of things, right. Because I want to co- kind of co- cover my bases here. So I guess my favorite one in terms of that was I was on this internal assessment for maybe three weeks and it was hilarious because the job was basically, uh, we need you to find, you know, starting from zero, we need you to find this specific app and then we need you to compromise it within our, our internal network. And their internal network was huge. It was like right. a bunch of slash 23s. It was a bunch of, it was a bunch of workstations. Like there was thousands and thousands and thousands of hosts. And it was basically finding a needle in the haystack. And it took me three weeks to compromise them. But at the end of it, like the whiteboard, like I'm sure everyone's seen that meme of like, you know, for um, uh, anyone that's f- familiar with them, um, uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. The um, uh, meme of Charlie and like the whiteboard is connecting everything, you know? Yeah. The whiteboard I made throughout that assessment looked like that, and it was nuts. <laughs> yeah, it can, yes, obviously it can be when the environment's large, and also you've got to be stealthy. You can't. Yeah, not, yeah, <laughs> that, that was the other thing. I couldn't like you know ring any bells or like or or just like trip any alarms, so I had to be really careful. 
And as fun as it was by the end of it, I think I felt like at the end of the movie Pie, you know, everyone knows the infamous drill scene. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. But yeah, that was a fun one. That was a fun one. And I uh, lost my mind a little bit on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. I mean, in terms of the social engineering one, do you think actually being a, being a female was advantageous in that role? I mean, maybe. I mean, it really only worked to my advantage like that that one time with the front desk guy who was obviously like had a thing for me for some reason. <laughs> um, so 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 but outside of that, I don't think that should be regarded as the norm. And I think like the like success rate for women as opposed to men in that role, I I think it's kind of even. I think it's comparable, but I mean, you know, some some sometimes men will be men and uh <laughs> Well, if you, t- I mean, if you turn up in a hoodie and you're like, I'm trying to get into your office, they might be a bit. <laughs> I, I don't know if that would work. I, I think they, 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 might, no. they, they might ask a little more questions. Yeah, I think you've got to try and dress to the uh, environment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Blending. And like, as, yeah, like especially if you want to get into doing this type of stuff, definitely dre- dre- dress to your environment, you know, look professional, act professional, yeah. you know, as much as it can. I mean, unless you're, you're you're like trying to like infiltrate like what like a paintball arena or something. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's always like scope out your environment. Right, they're all dressed like that. I need to dress just like that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's the term gray manning, which yeah. which is um uh, I'm not. I don't know where exactly that term came from off the top of my head. I imagine like, you know, it's a term that like spies probably used, but basically gray manning means you're kind of fading into the background, right? You're looking plain enough to look like everyone else, right? You know, to be not memorable. Yeah. I think it, I think it might actually stem from the, uh, from World War II. I think it was the SEO. But yeah, anyway. you're, you're, you probably know better than I do, so. I'm not going to, I probably got that wrong, so I'm going to. It's okay, we both pro- pro- probably no, got it wrong too, it and there's going to yeah. be someone, you know, that's going to leave a comment like, you're both wrong. Yeah, look at Wikipedia, I'll tell you, it's, no, anyway. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh yeah, but the grey man is, uh, yeah, absolutely, try and blend in, do not be obvious or stick out. So, obviously, pen testing, uh, tech work is is it can be quite intense. Do you have uh, any things that you do to, to kind of switch off? Because I find you know, being on the screens all the time can be a bit much. Um, is there a balance, a life, advice you have for balancing home and work life? Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you can, don't work overtime unless you really want to. Never work on the weekends. I know in some areas, you know, that's more easier than others, and some, and sometimes it's more harder than others, depending on you know the the, the demands of like what of like whatever company you're working for, right? And unfortunately, it's quite pervasive, like in tech, whether that be like games, you know, uh, healthcare, you name whatever industry, and there's this like pervasiveness of 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 uh, what's called crunch which like you, you appeared a lot, especially in like development circles where it's, you know, you're basically working nonstop with, without a break. And it's usually like, you know, it's usually like de- developers working like 60, 70, 80 hours a week, you know, which is just not healthy. And a lot of times this is also per- perpetuated by like a lot of management because like we also work in a deadline focused field as well. 
And like, that could be like, you know, ha have its own stress involved. And it's also because of that, you have issues like this, right? But like for, for everyone else that that is not working in some role where management just kind of like demands you work like, you know, six days out of the week for like 12, 12 hours at a time, right? Like people should work their normal nine to five and they should never, never work on the weekends. That's probably the best advice I, I can give anyone because uh, especially in InfoSec, burnout is high. And sometimes like there could also be companies that are like revolving doors of just candidates and employees that just kind of like come in and out. And any like really good company worth its salt will will not, you know, overwork their employees in such a way and will try and have things so as like, you know, the employee can have at least some amount of downtime because because then, you know, the problem is is that like, you know, if you start burning people out left and right, you know, the quality of work is also going to fall. And then you're going to get a lot more clients that are going to come back like angry or questioning the results of this, that, or the other thing. Right. So it's really important that people, you know, have some time to like have some personal time and just relax. Yep. I think that's sage advice. And I mean, on that point, do you think obviously with the, the COVID situation and people working more from home, that it's actually harder to define those lines and take that step out because people know where you are. <laughs> Yeah, I think so. Well, I mean, like, I think it was just getting harder ju just from the fact that like people are just connected all the time, whether through their phones or through, or like through their emails, because like a lot of people spend a lot of time on their computer or in front of some, some kind of screen. Right. So, so, so it can sometimes be very hard to kind of disconnect from all that. And I think COVID has kind of made this worse, especially with, with like all the work from home orders, just because it's like, now you don't have that separation between like, this is me being at home versus me being at work, right? So that kind of border <clears throat> is a bit blurred and you're getting people that are like, you know, having trouble kind of negotiating the, the kind of barriers between that. And I think some people tend to like, actually like overwork themselves more because of that, or, or they have this issue where it's like they can't really relax because like even when the workday is done they don't feel where work is over because they they're still sitting in front of their computer right you know yeah. or they're still like sitting in the same room where they were working you know yeah. oh that's a difficult one as well the, the dining room office situation <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> i eat dinner here and i work here yeah oh, hang on. actually I i'm working and eating dinner <laughs> yeah i know you don't want no. <laughs> yeah, you you don't want the situation where you're eating dinner and it's just like you 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 just feel like you're like at like the work cafeteria, right? You know, that's not a good place to be. In fact, maybe I should invent the mouse fork. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Sorry, just a random thought there. Um, is there is there one thing that you've learned during your career that that you would want to pass on? I mean, work-life balance. Like I said, like I mean, like having that separation between work and personal time is hugely necessary, you know, unless you burn yourself out because you're constantly thinking about security stuff all the time, which is not healthy. And it also can make people very, very paranoid, I think too. Right. Um, especially like if you're the type of person that, that like, you know, starts reading all these articles about like this company gets hacked or like this, this company gets breached. Right. And then you're just kind of, kind of like scaring yourself into like fits of paranoia, which is not great. <laughs> um, yes. Everything, everything's being hacked everywhere. Everything yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but I mean, yeah, but after all of these years of doing this, like things I've learned, 
yeah also realize that like you know nothing is truly secure like it's not a matter of like you know what will be hacked it's a matter of when which is like always like the uh, kind of rule of thumb when you're like looking at like any and all technology really you know all technology has its faults and it has its faults because it was made by humans and humans are by no means perfect right so I mean, be, because of that, you know, it's no surprise that like things get like hacked left and right. And, and also much like how tech gets better, the techniques to hack stuff also gets better gets better and better too, right? So yeah, so I mean, like, that's like, you know, one thing to kind of keep in mind. And yeah, aside from uh, the uh, work-life balance stuff, just, yeah, just keep learning and realize that you're ne you're never going to learn absolutely everything. You're going to learn maybe, if you're lucky, about 60% of everything that this industry has to offer. And that's on like the upper spectrum of like reading nothing but infosec books, articles, and like white papers two or three hours at, out of the day, right? Every day. Yeah, that's too but, much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I mean, like, so so just 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 accept the fact that like you're just not going to know everything. And like I tell this to the people working under me too. You know, it's like I might be in a senior role. But I, by no means, because of my title, means I know everything, right? Because no one can know everything because there's just so much stuff. There's too much stuff, right? And like new stuff comes out all the time. And sometimes like even people in like, in like senior roles or management roles, you know, or any sort of upper role is going to have like, you know, the same, the same amount of knowledge with new technologies as anyone else, right? But just, it's really important to just accept the fact that you're not going to know everything. So I guess it's a good advocation for a diverse team of skills. Yeah, exactly. Because since no one can know everything, you know, you also have people that, you know, are better at one area versus another. It's all about kind of covering your blind spots as best as you can. And I say as best as you can, because you can't completely cover it too. It's the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. So case is that obviously uh, um, your, your, uh, in the weeds, so to speak, in, in pen testing at the moment. Is there any particular vulnerabilities or, or systemic things that you're seeing in the environment at the moment? I mean, like, yeah, there's systemic things that like we tend to see, you know, all the time. This is not just in recent memory. This is also like, you, even just going, going back, like, you know, however long, however many years ago, right? And like, that's, is just like, you know, things like configuration errors, you know, people just making mistakes when they're configuring software devices, there's default passwords, stuff like that, right? And I think there needs to be more kind of awareness on just really knowing how to harden all these various software and devices and stuff like that. But in terms of like anything else that we're seeing, a big area that's going to, I think, start getting like more and more issues with it. Like, I mean, a lot of a lot of technology is basically moving to the cloud and to web. So I think those two areas are really going to kind of start expanding in terms of vulnerable attack vectors. Since, you know, a lot of the cloud is very segregated, obviously it's going to be a lot harder to do like the like usual amount of like network pen testing where it's like you're, you're, you're bouncing and pivoting from host to host. Whereas it's going to be more like, okay, you know, we compromise this, the, this web app in AWS, right? And we're going to try and go after the data stores that are on the back end, right? And I think it's going to be more, more a push toward really exploiting like the web perimeter, I think at this point. But that's not to say that like the usual technologies are still going to be exploited. Uh, phishing has always been a big one. And, and, you know, and I'm sure the, uh, 
everyone has heard of the old adage of like the human element being the weakest link and it truly is you know yeah. as, as as for my previous answers right <laughs> you know it's it's a lot easier to uh, compromise a person than than compromise a well-maintained machine and would you have any advice for people on the other side of the coin um you know just a your, your top your top kind of two three things that they should be doing I mean, the biggest thing for anyone that works as like a sysadmin or just like maintains a series of devices, just make sure your security policies are being enforced, make sure you're changing passwords, make sure you're hardening everything and making sure that like you're also doing like regular pen tests to like really just like get a handle of like where your holes are so you can fill them, right? Just to reduce any risk of potential attack, no matter how great or low the risk, right? I mean, like, obviously, if you work in government, you might be at, at a higher risk of being attacked than say, you know, a like mom and pop store, right? But still, you should do this stuff anyway. And this is just good, good advice for everyone. And in terms of uh, developers, in a lot of development circles, there's a kind of like, you know, go fast and break things, right? I think that was like the Facebook uh, quote from like, from like, from like Zuckerberg or like whoever. But I mean, developers need, need to start programming with security in mind, because a lot of developers don't really do that. And, and, and it's kind of always like an afterthought. So, I mean, I think it's really important that it's just, 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 just like, you know, when you're programming something or scripting something that like, you know, you already have security in mind kind of as you're doing it. So at the end of the day, it's secure by design and not breakable by design. Yeah, I think I think hopefully a lot of people that we see now or discussions I have with people, maybe no names, they are actually trying to think more in that way because you realize that fixing a hole after you've made something is harder than not having it there in the first place, even if it slows down your development process. In some right, way, exactly. So. And, and I mean, like, you know, there is definitely situations where stuff is programmed and it's like insecure by design, but then it's extremely hard or even impossible to fix it in some places, especially like if this is like, you know, foundational code for some platform that like, you know, in order to fix it, they'd have to redesign it from like the ground up, yep. which is a mess, you know? Yep. So, 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 I mean, developers really need to keep security in mind when they're actually programming something and yep. really make sure that there are checks and balances kind of dur during and after the process, just, just to make sure that there's nothing that's going to be like obviously exploitable at, at, at the end. Right. And so as we've come to the end of our, our little chat, oh. are there any, are there any uh, shout outs to people in your community or network that are doing great things that you would like to mention? I mean, I don't have any specific shout outs, but like, yeah, I guess, you know, shout outs to anyone that's like, you know, really trying to break into this field or like doing like any sort of research and stuff. Just keep doing what you're doing, you know, keep kind of pushing yourself and pushing the envelope and just like, yeah, keep coming up with great things, you know, keep learning, keep having great ideas. And don't be afraid to make the jump into this career. Like if this is something you're really passionate about and don't be intimidated by, by the fact that it's like, you know, a boys club or, or there's like, you know, this to worry about that, you know, so on and so forth. Right. You know, if you have a passion for this stuff, just do it. Excellent. I think that's fantastic advice. Well, with that, thank you, Case. It's been a pleasure having you on uh, our podcast here. Thank you to the audience for listening. This is Ben by the Firewall. If you have any comments or any topics you'd like us to discuss, please hit us up on Anchor or email us at info at ockhamsec.com. Mm -hmm.